We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's been another busy news week, and we like to review the major stories of the week here on the Black Information Network. Today, we are joined by Black Information Network news anchors, Mike Island and Nicole Deal to discuss this week's major stories. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. So welcome back to the show, you two. How's your week been? Oh, pretty busy. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Ramses. I'm so happy to be here again. Hey, all right. It's good to have you both back. All right. Well, let's get to the uh, to the stories and the news. So first up, the political landscape in Chicago is changing as black incumbent mayor Lori Lightfoot failed to get enough votes in this week's runoff race. She's the first Chicago mayor to lose reelection in 40 years. Nicole, why don't you start us off? Bring us up to speed on this story and then Mike will follow up with you. Of course. Um, You know, when it comes to elections, we oftentimes hear the phrase a landmark victory. Mm -hmm. Well, this is what I would refer to as a landmark defeat. Mm. Uh, Lori Lightfoot uh, finishing with roughly only 17 percent of the vote coming in third place. Um, And as you've already stated, it's a historic loss uh, because she is the first Chicago mayor to lose reelection in 40 years. I mean, that is, that's just huge. Um, as the first black woman and the first openly gay person ever to, to serve as mayor of Chicago. Um, I think Lori Lightfoot is brave and I think she is enlightened and she's a trailblazer. Um, I don't think that we can point to her race or her sexual orientation as a factor for her not being reelected, right? I mean, um, if it was a non-factor the first time around, then the mayoral office was hers to lose. Mm. So um, all she needed to do was get in office and prove herself. Um, I would say one of the most notable things that she did in the last four years as mayor was raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Mm. Okay. I think that she uh, she tried to get a handle on violent crime. Uh, I think she tried to protect workers, you know, during COVID and things of that nature. But I I just don't think that she I think she lacked the confidence uh, of her constituents. And uh, so I I think she was really confident going into the elections. Um, She even (laughs) she even said uh, that she was the only person who could beat Paul Vallis uh, because she had a record of accomplishments. So I thought that was kind of ironic that she had had a lot of confidence going into it, but didn't play out well for her in the end. Uh, I think she underestimated the competition. And uh, I think the good people of Chicago just didn't feel like uh, Lori Lightfoot deserved a second term. So uh, she she talked to her supporters after conceding defeat, saying that her heart was full of gratitude. And she mentioned how the city came back from a once in a lifetime pandemic and how she made progress on public safety and things of that nature. So, um, but it's going to be Brandon Johnson, uh, who's also black facing off against Paul Vallis in the April 4th runoff election. Uh, And that's going to decide who the next mayor of Chicago will be. Um, 
I think Johnson has a real chance here because he may pick up some of the black votes Mm -hmm. that um, uh, some of the voters that voted for Lightfoot the first time around. Um, So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Okay. All right. I, I also want to mention uh, that in uh, Vallis's victory speech, he says public safety is the fundamental right of every American. It is a civil right and it is the principal responsibility of government. Uh, and then he kind of goes into this other end. He goes, we will have a safe Chicago. We will make Chicago the safest city in America. And that's kind of what he ran on, you know, and I think yeah. that's probably what got him elected. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. Sure, sure. Uh, Mike, uh, let's hear your thoughts. Yeah, Lightfoot was a little, um, she she did have some confidence, but she just didn't show it. Um she was a bit low key for maybe the voters. She kind of um, went through, I, I won't say that she went through the motions, but she just had the appearance of maybe doing that. And maybe that's what uh, lost voters conference, uh, confidence, but uh, a lot happened while she was mayor, you know, going through the last throes of the pandemic. She did have the victories, as Nicole said, with the uh, raising the minimum wage and getting them through the pandemic. But her problems, uh, the problems with the city of Chicago weren't unique to Chicago as far as crime. So, you know, that that can't be pinned on her because crime rose everywhere in every major city. So uh, but when you're in Chicago, the crime is a Chicago problem. The pandemic is a Chicago problem and it's all on the leaders. Uh, so, uh, I can't say that anything was sp- specific to her, but I was kind of hoping she would be like, uh, Vallis was as far as, you know, uh, pledging to make Chicago safe. I don't think she's ever really said that she told what problems she would tackle. And, um, and those, those problems were not really, they, they got out of control, but if she had, uh, maybe made some type of, uh, maybe a mission statement or some type of goal in her um, in uh, following her campaign, I think that uh, maybe um, her first campaign, maybe voters would have had more confidence. But when they see things going like the, you know, the unemployment rate and crime and all that, uh, it's really uh, it's not always the leader's fault. It's just the 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 feeling that uh, that uh, voters get. They're very fickle. If things are going right, she'd be in. You know, if sure. the crime was going down, if the numbers looked right, you know, the math fell in her favor, she'd be mayor again. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, the uh, the thing about this uh, situation is that I'll, I'll be very honest. I was not a fan of her politics, um, all of her politics. Uh, some of them, obviously, they made sense. And some of them, I thought that there was uh, more intelligent ways to go about accomplishing what I believe she was trying to accomplish. Um, I think that in a lot of parts of this country, especially when it comes to law enforcement and the criminal justice system in its entirety, uh, too many people, and indeed too many people in elected positions, have an approach, or rather there is a an underlying philosophy underneath these systems of of criminal justice and and so forth that assumes that people left to their own devices in mass will behave in criminal ways rather than people will resort to criminal activities when other options are inaccessible or otherwise unavailable or um uh there are no alternatives when it comes to uh, procuring the fundamental uh, necessities to have a life that is equal um, in weight to the lives of the people around us in a society. And because of that flawed premise, many of the people uh, that we've seen elected and have failed to kind of thrive in their capacities um, you know, there are people who look at those folks and say they're they're puppets or they get in and they reinforce white supremacist ideals and institutions. Um, You know, there's a big part of me that feels that that uh, is very true. 
in my own Phoenix uh, or city in Phoenix, Arizona, we had uh, a police chief, uh, Jerry Williams, who I believe in her heart of hearts also wanted to do good. But again, there's a fundamental premise that assumes it, it makes a felonious assumption from the start. And therefore, all of the policy and all the investments and so forth um, are it, they, they end up bolstering a framework that does nothing for no one and allows op opportunities for other folks to come in under this sort of law and order uh, uh, banner that, that people feel like um, is, is going to change things. And this is this is these people play the same hits they've been playing uh, for 80 years, maybe more. Um, and I think that when when we have the courage as voters to really um, put rather adopt a fundamental change in how we view the world in which we live and how we imagine the world in which we could live, um, I think that we'll start to see candidates rise to the occasion who not only will be able to create change, but will also be um, less likely to fall short of um these sort of markers that we put in place for our politicians you know this one term uh elected official thing is is not something that anybody wants to see and and it's not really realistic to see any real changes come about regardless of where your policies fall so um it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next uh, phase of this but um it's it's a sad story because i think that everybody in, the, in all of our heart of hearts hope for the best um, and what she could do that she would end up doing. But now it seems as though we'll, she'll just be remembered for, you know, what she w was able to accomplish and more uh, importantly, remembered for losing. And I don't think that that's really fair either. So no, <laughs> we'll see. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com BIN today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash B-I-N. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. 
We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Black Information Network news anchors Mike Island and Nicole Deal are here with us discussing this week's major stories. Moving on, uh, in a recent survey from job recruitment site Indeed, uh, that revealed that half of all Black workers want to quit their jobs. The same survey also revealed what companies can do to keep them. So this time, let's start with you, Mike. Tell us a bit more about this survey and you know, give us your thoughts on what's going on here. Well, just to let you know, I'm not one of those Black workers. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> just, just want to put that out front there. So Got it. Discussion I'm smelling what you're stepping in, man. Go, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's really the, the percentage is new, but that sentiment is nothing new. Um, a lot of it has to do with um, there are problems that black workers are going to face. Uh, you know, for, you know, some time on their jobs, a lot of things, uh, what they think won't change. A lot of things that they just don't think will change. Mm -hmm. And one of those things is pay transparency issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, They, they will, you know, there will always be, they'll always feel devalued, uh, you know, to a certain point, but it's so loud now. We had that term quiet quitting. That was going on for a while, but now these guys are quitting loudly, and uh, I think they there's less fear of uh, quitting loudly because uh, it's an employee's market versus an employer's market. Employers mm-hmm. need people, and the people who are working now who are unhappy know that, so they're they're much more willing to be louder about uh, their dissatisfaction in the workplace. But again. COVID-19 pandemic uh, changing the workforce dynamic uh, has a lot to do with that, too. And uh, a lot of Black workers have become entrepreneurs mm-hmm. uh, in that time. And uh, COVID-19, the pandemic, uh, forced us into a new way of thinking. And, and a lot of it worked in a positive way uh, in, in this case uh, with, um, with Black workers uh, leaving the corporate workforce to go into entrepreneurship. Uh, I can't, I don't have any statistics to say how successful that's been, but there have been many examples uh, over the uh, past couple of years, uh, especially uh, of seeing this transition, but quitting their jobs loudly. uh, A lot of the companies uh, uh, try for uh, to do their best with diversities Mm -hmm. with 
excuse me, the diversity. But I don't think uh, some of the people in charge of that really know what what to do with it. Uh, I'll just give you an example. A company um, put put a black person as head of diversity, and pretty much thought that would do it. You know, uh, but nothing really happened after that. Yeah. Uh, that person pretty much uh, kept the status quo, and uh, this was happened with a couple of companies where they kept the status quo. But that diversity officer was black, and they thought that was the end all be all to show uh, diversity. So there are a lot of uh, uh, bad attempts uh, at at diversity, and uh, and I think it, diversity is really more than just color of the skin. You can have you know ten black people uh, in in um, in, in a workforce uh, environment. And if they all think like the people who put them in that, nothing really changes. So sure. diversity is really a difference of beliefs, a difference of view, uh, uh, difference in politics, that type of thing. So if nothing really changes with the people other than the color, uh, you won't really have true diversity. And right now, I think diversity is a more of a color thing and not really getting into uh, uh, variants of thoughts and and you know different views and things like that to really make things diverse. I think that's what the problem is, and I think black workers are seeing that, mm-hmm. and that's why they continue to be dissatisfied no matter uh, what the uh, color margin is in their uh, particular work environment. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicole, any thoughts? Of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, my reaction to this issue is is really a plea directed to the employers themselves. Um, No matter how big or small your company or corporation is, you can do better by applying two words to your vocabulary and your company culture. And those two words are inclusion and diversity. If you're an employer, you need to take a look at your leadership staff and be honest about what you see. Okay, I mean, if there are no black and brown faces, that could be not saying it is always, but that could be indicative of a bias. And anytime those bias, when that exists, you're going to have issues like what Mike is describing. You're going to have uh, disparities in pay and 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 all sorts of other issues. Um, and if you don't know where to start to address that, you can start within your own organization by talking with people that have black and brown skin. Just start right there um, and listen and be open-minded and sincere and take them seriously if you want change. Um, And definitely seek the services of professionals in the diversity and inclusion spaces. Um, As for pay, you know, I I think it's sad that 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 percentage is so high, 49% thinking about quitting or wanting to quit. And I think that's really sad. Um, As for pay, I think part of that responsibility lies with the employee, regardless of their race. Um, If you are unhappy about your pay, You need to have one of those uncomfortable conversations and you need to ask for an annual review. Uh, I'm sorry. I said, run me my bread. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Um, There there was a song about that. It was expletive. Better have my money. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, And you you need to be prepared to tell your employer why you're so great. Right. You know, if you want to raise, go in there and say, you know, hey, this is what I've done in the last 12 months. And, you know, I've executed on A, B, C and D and, you know, raised revenue by X dollars. And and this is why I think I deserve this. Hmm. You know, there's um, I think there's a a lot behind this number. You know, 49 percent of black workers want to quit their jobs. but I'm going to make another, I'm going to double down. I think that this shows the importance of voting. Um, I'll, I'll make my point. So I was uh, researching a sort of case study recently, uh, the uniquely American uh, combination uh, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, KFC, right? Um, such a strange thing, but how that came about is because 
Pepsi realized that it was cheaper to get its soft drinks into those restaurants by buying the restaurants outright than it was to compete with Coca-Cola in the restaurant fountain drink market space. So Pepsi acquired those three restaurant chains and then spun them off um, underneath a separate company called Yum Brands. And then Yum Brands felt like they could do more with the same real estate footprint um, and reach, you know, geographically reach the same amount of people. So they consolidated the operations, uh, which is why we see the combination KFC, Pizza Hut, you know, uh, what's the other one? KFC, Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. Yeah. Um, and then because of the nature of capitalism and because of the way the laws work, uh, they lobbied, young brands lobbied politicians to keep minimum wage low. Right. Now, this is one example, and this doesn't affect all black people, but we recognize that black people make up a disproportionate amount of low paying, unskilled laborer jobs. Um, this is one of the things that lobbyists can get away with when we don't vote in mass in local elections. When we have to realize the sobering reality of the situation, which is that we are underpaid and undervalued economically and in a lot of other areas, too. But rather than foster engagement, oftentimes it it kind of puts us off. We feel unheard. We feel unsupported. And, you know, the politicians don't represent our interest, which I'm not going to argue with because that oftentimes is true. But when we all come together and there's unity and there's strength in those numbers, then we can push back against things like this. So I think uh, in illustrating this point, who would want to work? at a combination KFC, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut for $7.25 an hour um, when looming on the horizon, there's automation. Um, who would want to drive for Amazon or Uber, or whatever, when looming on the horizon is automated vehicles? Who would want to do any number of things now that uh, uh, chat GPT has the... Um, the uh, artificial intelligence model has been opened up for other app developers to incorporate that that uh, artificial intelligence brain and language model into apps all around us. By the end of this year, we're going to see it everywhere in places we probably haven't haven't even conceived of yet. And again, the nature of work is shifting and has been shifting since the pandemic. Um, and now people recognize, okay, I can work at home. All that stuff I was doing that was stressing me out was not strictly necessary. And there's this two-sided push. One side is trying to push people to do what we used to do. And this other side is letting us know daily that we are very much disposable. We are not valued and we can be easily replaced. And so we find ourselves and indeed other folks, really people, work, working people, anybody who has a job, find ourselves in the middle of these two forces and it can really knock the wind out of your sails. Um, I recognize that people have passions and, you know, folks might not want to, that's not the be all end all is working at a pizza hut. Um, but it certainly is a stepping stone and it certainly does help frame the workforce, which is why I think to your point, we see a lot more uh, entrepreneurs and people trying to step out and, uh, you know, cut their own path through life uh, and, and be able to have some uh, fiscal independence from the quote unquote rat race, because it seems like the nature of the race is changing itself. So um, these numbers don't surprise me, but we're going to have to see how everything develops uh, per usual. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep monitoring it and keep reporting. Black Information Network news anchors, Mike Island and Nicole Deal are here with us discussing this week's major stories. All right. According to health and wellness experts, exposure to videos of police brutality can be harmful to the mental health of Black people. Black mental health counselor Sharice Johnson offered eight critical tips in her latest article to help combat the trauma associated with videos of this nature. Nicole, tell us more about this article and share a few of the tips that she suggested. Absolutely. Um, 
These heartbreaking and sad graphic videos of black people being killed by police are extremely difficult to watch. Mm. Uh, Case in point, Tyree Nichols pulled over for a traffic stop, senselessly beaten, et cetera, et cetera. We all know that story. Um, And not only are the videos hard to watch, but all of the additional aftermath videos from the decedent's parents and husbands or wives and brothers and sisters and community members and all all of those come along with that too, right? Mm -hmm. And we watch those because some of those videos make the news and we watch the news, right? Um, I, for one, I am thankful for modern technology that allows us uh, the proof of police brutality that is happening against Blacks. Um, But as a Black person, it is hard not to identify with the victims of these heinous killings. I mean, just looking at their skin and watching those videos, they do negatively impact us Mm -hmm. and they impact our emotions Um, whether we realize it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, they do impact us. And, um, and as you said, Sharice uh, Johnson, she's a licensed clinical mental health counselor and she is black. Um, and she did have some tips on how we might be able to, to cope with those emotions when they surface after watching some of those videos. Um, one of her first suggestions is just spend less time on social media, right? Um, that's almost a, a given, you know, if, because all of those videos will recirculate and recirculate and, you know, over and over again on Twitter, on TikTok, on on all these social media uh, platforms. Uh, So that was one of the the tips that she gave, just spend less time on social media. Um, I thought this was a good one. She said, consider just reading about what happened as opposed to watching any of the videos. So when we hear about something in the news and we know there is a video, just don't even click on it, right? Just don't even watch it. Just go to the news article associated with that, you know, incident and read it instead. Um, She also suggested speaking to a therapist about your feelings. Um, I think that's valid. You know, sometimes um, you don't want to put your, you don't want to burden someone else, a friend or family member necessarily, um, uh, with with that emotion, because then you might trigger their emotion. Sure. Uh, so I think if it's necessary, you can speak to a professional theras- a therapist about what you're feeling. Um, get adequate rest. <laughs> you know, and I thought this was interesting. Some of these things apply whether, you know, just every day we should be doing these things anyway. Sure, get it, sure. Getting adequate rest was on the list. Um, and moving your body through exercise. Uh, she suggested exercise or or yoga, you know, uh, et cetera. Um, and then one of the other things she said is meditate when you are feeling overwhelmed. Uh, and I thought that was really important because even even if you don't know how to meditate, you know, there are all sorts of videos out there and things that we can read to tell us how to get started. Uh, or just close your eyes for a minute and take a deep breath and just take five minutes or so to decompress after you've watched something uh, like that. So. Sure. Mike, give us your thoughts. Yeah. It's a, it's a little hard uh, to hear, uh, you know, someone say, just read it. Don't watch Mm -hmm. because when you read it and they describe it, you want to know more. And so what do you do? You click on the video to find, uh, find out more. I was, I was pretty young when, uh, Rodney King's beating happened. But when I saw the image, it still frightened me anyway. But the one thing about it, you couldn't hear anything. You only saw the, uh, the video. You saw the bats going up and down and that thing. And then you saw him and he basically saying, why can't we all just get along? And that was widely panned because we didn't hear what happened. Okay. So these videos are not only hard to watch, but they're also hard to hear. Mm-hmm. So now you know, in the, our modern day with the uh, phones and, and the technology we have now, you can hear them say, I can't breathe. You can hear them calling for their mama. You can hear them say, stop, man, I'm dying. Okay, that really gets to you. Now, I, I went through some things, you know, uh, with some of these images uh, and, and a lot of more of what I heard on the video versus what I saw, because a lot of the violence I see in these videos even though these are real, uh, I've seen so much fictional, uh, fictional violence uh, that it, it didn't move me as much as hearing 
the violence and hearing what it's actually doing to someone, you know, in the real. So that that has more of an effect, uh, you know, in my case, especially uh, in this conversation, because I really had a problem with the things that I heard on these videos during those violent acts, where if the volume had been turned down, maybe uh, I wouldn't have been quite as affected. But knowing that what I saw was uh, pretty bad. Sure. You know, there's something about um, us, the three of us and, and people that work in this space um, in that we. I, I don't want to say have to, but we kind of have to watch all of these videos. So I think okay. that, you know, working in media is a is a great uh, case study. I, I, I'm not going to speak for all of us who work in this space because I do know some folks. My, my partner, Q Ward, is, is one of them where every so often he has to take a break. So building in breaks for yourself is very important. Um, if you feel overwhelmed, you know, take a, you know, take a step away. We'll, we'll pull a guest in or we'll run an evergreen episode or a rerun for those not familiar with that terminology. Um, and we'll take a break from it. But I think that the one thing that uh, a good amount of us who work in this space have um, at our disposal um, in reviewing so many of these videos and, and, and most all of them, in fact, is that we get to talk about them. We get to talk about the videos. We get to say how we feel. We get to, we have an audience and an outlet. We don't feel uh, enclosed in the same way someone might feel if they perhaps don't have an audience and are not accustomed to sharing their thoughts on something and their fears and their concerns and their worries about their families. It's just them in a phone. And so um, if I could offer anything that I found useful um, in having to watch probably more videos than most folks of, you know, police brutality against black and brown bodies, I would suggest that, you know, sharing your thoughts, talking to someone, even calling someone out of the blue and say, hey, man, listen, I just saw a video. Did you see it, man? It was crazy. You know, even if it's not like, you know, you're not the sort of person, which I'm not this sort of person. If you're not the sort of person to say, hey, listen, I'm down. I just need to talk to someone. I need to vent. I would never say that. I just couldn't even imagine saying that. But to bring something up uh, in a safe space where someone who is able to receive that from you um, and just say, hey, man, you know, I saw this video. It's been, you know, troubling me, man. Did you see that? It was crazy, man. I just can't can't stop thinking about it. Anymore. And then just kind of have a quick little five minute conversation. You'd be surprised at how uh, much that kind of diffuses the um, intensity of that moment across the rest of your life. Bear in mind, you are so long, correct. Long road, but Amen. You hit a point on for sports and music. That used to be my uh, how I got away from things. Sure. And now these types of things, what's happening now, is in sports and music. So I, I re reverted to talking to more people now, hmm. uh, talking about these things, just like you suggested. Hmm. And, uh, and so that's how I'm dealing with it now, because sports and music have been invaded by these same conversations now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Black Information Network news anchors Mike Island and Nicole Deal are here with us discussing this week's major stories. All right. Well, finally, uh, <laughs> I like this, Chris. Here's one from our You Can't Make This Stuff Up file. <laughs> During his speech <laughs> at an event for the Georgia Department of Labor, Atlanta's former fire chief and resounding ignoramus stated that it was God's divine plan that, quote, allowed Africans to be brought to America as slaves. Apparently, this isn't the first time this black former fire chief has gotten into trouble for his comments. Mike, tell us more about this story. And then, of course, Nicole will follow up with you. Well, they say you can't make this stuff up. But if you're a great storyteller and you're a great writer, you can make yeah, this sure. stuff up. But sure. in this case, it is the truth, yeah. <laughs> the absolute truth. You know, and if I knew this guy's history, I probably wouldn't have been as shocked. But, you know, a decade ago, he made some uh, homophobic, had some homophobic views. Yeah, I really uh, that. And, and, and yeah, he's got a history of it. So once I realized he has a history of it, the impact of what he just now said, you know, was lessened greatly. Okay. You know, uh, and I believe his name is uh, Kevin Cochran. 
And I, and it took me a while to figure out that he was also African-American. I didn't know that at first. I just saw the story. I didn't see any uh, videos or pictures. And um, I immediately thought of uh, some, some other uh, uh, people of color who have said some quite amazing things about slavery as, as, as yay or what Kanye West, mm-hmm. you know, has said, you know, slavery was a choice. You know, mm-hmm. I, I still won't forget that. So when you know the history of the person, the the impact is lessened, but the people who don't know, and these words hurt, you know, especially coming from people of color, just same way that, the, you know, Tyree Nichols uh, thing was, was especially hurtful because it was uh, brought on by, you know, African-Americans. So it's really, really hard to hear this type of stuff, but I, I'll have to give it to him. He has got, he's got quite a platform, but uh, he, there, there's just no truth uh, from it. But the way he uh, brings about his views, if, if you're really good, you know, as far as, uh, you know, in, in oratory, if you're very good about um, expressing your views, you're going to get people to believe it. If you choose your words carefully and you get it out and you repeat, rinse and repeat, you know, that type of thing, people are going to believe it and they're going to be more hurt by it. But he... He, you know, he uses the Bible. He uses uh, some twisted uh, parts of, uh, of history and that type of thing, and he just pounds away at it. And uh, and and it go. I want. I don't want to say that it's funny, um, but it, it almost it's to the point where it's it is almost comedic. Mm-hmm. And I have to laugh it off. And that's my own therapy. I have to laugh these things off, <laughs> and you know, and look at it as fiction. Sure. You know, because uh, I, you, you really can't analyze what he, what he says here because it is, is wrapped up in non-truths, sure. you know, and, and so it, you really can't pick it apart, uh, you know, and I part, you know, it's, it's a hard, this is a hard one and, and it's hard to repeat some of the, the stuff that he says because uh, it, it is almost a good Norman Lear comedy there, <laughs> you know, it, it's crazy. Nicole, uh, let's get your thoughts on this. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Ramses. Uh, ignoramus made me laugh. Yeah, <laughs> I threw that in there. Hope I don't get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I do want you to know that. Um, my turn. <laughs> Far oh, away. <laughs> Let's all keep in mind, this is the same guy who was fired from the Atlanta Fire Department after he wrote a book expressing some of his views mm. on sexuality, adultery, homosexuality, etc. Uh, like Mike stated, that was about 10 years ago. And now boop, he pops back on the scene and says, I'm back. Yeah. Um, this is one of his quotes. Slavery in America did not catch God by surprise. He says, in his sovereignty, God allowed Africans to be brought to America as slaves. Africa was on the eve of social, spiritual, and economic catastrophe and famine, still going on today. So he brought six million Africans to America through the Middle Passage as slaves. One of the most egregious things about this is that he said what he said during a Black History Month celebration. I mean, oh my gosh, I just like like Mike said, I just it's almost comical. Um and and it's just infuriating that he's a black person saying these things. I would almost it, I don't know, maybe I would be less mad if 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 he weren't. Um but I hold him more accountable. He is I hold him more responsible with his words and his actions. Um I I, I really I don't even have the words for this one. I I'm my Elementary summation is completely, completely tone deaf, especially something like this being said by a person of color. Sure, sure. Nicole, but, I think we're right. At, I think we are in sync. You said it a different way, but, you know, you ended up uh, saying just flabbergasted, not knowing what to say or how to react. Uh, our uh, our summation was the same, so I'm glad I'm not alone in this. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, I have to I have to defer to Ramses on, on this one. I just don't have the <laughs> oh, words. Well, listen, you know I got something to say. You already know I got something to say. So I, I guess I'll begin. Um, first and foremost, uh, this is a slap in the face to everybody who came before me and the two of you, and indeed him. 
This is a slap in the face to our ancestors. Uh, for somebody to compare uh, the goings-on in Africa at the time during the transatlantic slave trade to the manifestation of God's plan and somehow posit uh, that the Africans themselves were to blame for that shows a complete uh, failure to acknowledge history. Uh, I, I don't know that this man has ever studied it or is just overlooking it to um, make a case for his uh, awkward and, and unusual belief system. But the fact of the matter is that um, the colonization of Africa uh, is what led to the commodification of slavery and, and of slaves um, and to that whole economic system that exported slaves, uh, Black African slaves only, exclusively around the world. Um, so in brief, Africa is the home of the resources of the world, of planet Earth. Africa, historically, over the, the, the vast majority of human history, has never had a problem socially, economically, or otherwise. Um, it was a couple of things. Um, one, I, I have to mention religion, the spread of, of the Abrahamic faiths. But uh, to a larger extent, uh, we'll say uh, disease brought uh, brought over by Europeans. And I think the most important, most impactful uh, element to this equation is gunpowder, guns. And those three things in different uh, combinations altered the trajectory and the history of Africa uh, and allowed Africa to be um, colonized by white people, uh, European white people. And so um, same thing happened with natives over here. Same thing happened in many places around the world. A lot of islands that are vacation spots. You see a lot of white folks there. White folks did not do not come from islands. You know, white folks come from very cold climates. Uh, so uh, the those inventions um, or really the 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 sole invention, uh, gunpowder, uh, which was uh, invented by the Chinese and uh, used to conquer much of the world by white folks in a very um, uh, barbaric uh, and inhuman way is what led to um, the, what, what was a precursor to the economic conditions that this man is referring to, um, where you have tribes warring for power and position because such is human nature. Um, and when slaves, uh, when when it was discovered that slavery was um, in in Africa and that there were uh, folks who were conquering other tribes and had the tribes enslaved and that they could be sold and an industry was built around that, then rather than conquering tribes for political reasons or to you know grow your footprint you know of your empire or to uh, pr provide resources for your tribe. Um, the conquering of other tribes solely became for the purpose of getting more slaves. And um, I, I believe that the people in Africa who sold their countrymen into slavery did not know the full extent of the slavery that those folks would endure, not that their descendants would also be enslaved, not that they would, it would be slavery by skin color, not that they would be, um, forever enslaved and not able to provide uh, any sort of um, outlet for themselves or procure any outlet for themselves, um, that they would uh, live harsh, short lives and be brutalized. So a lot of these things come together. Uh, and then what we see today in Africa, since that's what he wanted to talk about, is more of the same. Africa is a lot of the countries in Africa are subject to um, uh, sanctions and taxes and loans and so forth that they simply cannot repay because of legislation. You know, we ca you cannot export this material. It has to be the raw material, which doesn't allow these countries to make money. They have to export their textiles and everything. 
They, they cannot make enough money to pay back the loans, ensuring that they are forever in debt. And for this man to make an ignorant statement like that and somehow suggesting that it's God's will that we came over here and now we're living it up um, shows a complete lack of his understanding of history, his understanding of current events in Africa. And I think his understanding of pretty much anything having to do with basic human emotions. Um, and and so, I, again, a very funny story to come across. I'm sorry that I gave him as much time on this show that I have. But if you come across this story anywhere else, there's our take on it. And uh, hopefully you don't give it any more than a couple of laughs, which is all that it deserves. So I'm going to make a sitcom. Right there. Go ahead. I'm going to produce a sitcom on it. <laughs> there so you go. Just, just watch for it. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what develops there. But uh, I don't anticipate um, that that's going to catch too much steam because any scholar can pick that apart. And I, I'm far from a scholar. I just happen to know exactly what he thinks he's talking about. So, uh, again, we'll leave it right there. So I'd like to thank you both very much again for your time. And as always, your insight. Once again, today's guests are Black Information Network news anchors, Mike Island and Nicole Deal. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. I'm your host, Ramses Ja, on all social media, and I'll be hosting another episode of Civic Cypher this weekend on a station near you. For stations, showtimes, and podcast info, check civiccypher.com. And join us Monday as we share our news with our voice from our perspective right here on the Black Information Network daily podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.